Hey kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional and sometimes semi-fictional, sometimes real father figures. We're all over the road sometimes. Who knows what's going on on this podcast? But today what's <laughs> happening is, um, is that I am joined by co-friend of the Friendshipping podcast, Trin Garitano. Hello. Hello. Well, hi. And we are going to talk about someone who uh, we're celebrating, I believe, the 50th anniversary of the start of his his show this week. I think that's right. I think that's right, too. I think I saw that. Um, and, of course, as the episode title has already revealed, and so the suspense is unnecessary, we're talking about Mr. Rogers and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And wow, do we need this episode right now? Because I know a lot of people have been feeling like, you know, the last few episodes, I don't know, do you, have you listened to, to this show before? Me? Yes. So you may, you may be familiar with the fact that a lot of the times we have some not great things to say about the kind of father figures that we're talking about. And um, I don't think that's us being unfair. Uh, I think that's just that there is a lot of bad stuff to talk about. <laughs> and oh, sometimes, yeah. oh man, does it get tiring to to not just to hear but for me to talk about it. I don't want to just be talking bad stuff on dads all the time so oh my god this is such a great I'm so glad that you could you could join me you were so excited to talk about him um and I'm super glad that we're talking about a guy who by all accounts is just like an incredible person yeah I I mean Mr. Rogers to me I, I there was this cracked.com article that I very pointedly did not read because I was afraid I was gonna like accidentally quote from it while on your podcast <laughs> Uh, called Mr. Rogers uh, the greatest American. And honestly, like, I I cannot think of anybody who so had a profound effect on our generation. Actually, I think I'm a little older than you, so maybe it's just my generation. Uh, maybe, like, LeVar Burton. Uh, but, like, mm-hmm. he's in that, like, upper echelon of people who I feel like we could not really have done without, uh, especially when it comes to the the molding of the empathy and the emotional understanding that we give, um, I think in particular, young boys. Yeah. Um, so I guess to step back for, for a minute, because um, I know that not everyone who listens to this podcast is A, of the same generation as me or, or you, um, and B, maybe didn't um, grow up in the United States or Canada and maybe didn't have access to to um, TV or, or whatever. And you may not be familiar with with who this guy is. Who is this guy in this cardigan with these sneakers? Who is that guy? Um, so Mr. Rogers was um, – well, his full name is Fred Rogers. And he was initially ordained as a minister. Um, or he was – no, he wasn't ordained. He was educated to be a minister. He was never ordained, I don't believe. Um but uh, he he sort of had this early encounter with TV, and I guess there's this quote from him that I found on his Wikipedia article, which has some really great quotes from him, uh, where he says that he went into television because he hated it so, and he thought <laughs> <laughs> he thought there must be some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen, um, and so he started working in commercial TV, and um, eventually just um, got fed up with it. So he's working at NBC and basically decided like there's too much reliance on advertising, too much reliance on, on merchandising. And so it basically has just evacuated the potential to nurture or educate young audiences. So he said, I need to go to public broadcasting. And, uh, he actually was working in Canada for, for quite a while. Um, he was working for the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. 
and um, did this 15 minute kids show called Mr. Rogers, like all one word. (laughs) And um, it only ran for three seasons, but a lot of the stuff that was later seen in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So like a lot of the set pieces and like the characters and things were created in that show, which I did not realize. Oh, I had no idea that he even had a presence in Canada. I yeah. did some like background research, but like that's really freaking cool. And you're Canadian, correct? I am Canadian. And actually the other thing is um, he had a friend and understudy named Ernie Coombs who created this character called Mr. Dress Up, which was a very <gasps> yes! successful long-running kids show in Canada. The that tickle trunk guy. He had the tickle trunk. Um, it's a little different. He sort of sometimes has costumes and things, um, but in many ways is really similar to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I think the next episode after this one is going to be me talking about that. Um, and so he was sort of his protege who who stayed out in Canada and um, and then created his own thing. But so basically Fred Rogers gets a start on kids' TV and uh, then comes back to the States and starts Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And the show is so different from so much children's television at the time. It's, like, unreal, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the the simple reliance on the audience's imagination. Uh, and I, I don't... And I, I don't don't like uh, this is not a fact. This is just like what I assume. I, I don't think that there were many shows before Mr. Rogers where the audience is directly addressed and like spoken to. I feel like that was a very Mr. Rogersy thing. Yeah. Uh, and and just the uh, the slow pace of it all and the earnestness uh, is just so different from anything that I was watching on TV at the time as a kid. Like you know, I was very Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like you know, throw yeah. me a pizza, man. April O'Neil. <laughs> You know, and there was nothing at all trendy or hip about Mr. Rogers. And uh, and also from Wikipedia, there's this quote that I, I want to bust out uh, that uh, Teresa uh, Hines Carey, uh, you know, John Carey's uh, wife said, he never condescended. He just invited us into conversation. He spoke to us as the people we were, not as the people others wished we were. And I, I feel like that is such a great summation of the heart of the show is that this was a friend who came to visit you every week. Um, and you would have just a nice, a nice chill time with your buddy Fred. And I, I think that's just so delightful. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, talking to kids, um, talking like directly to kids, like he didn't have an audience of children. I think very early on um, in one of his his shows, at least there was sort of an audience of kids, but he eventually decided like, no, I, I don't want to have this like proxy audience. Like I want to just be speaking directly to the audience. And like the way he talks to them too is like, Basically, like, as adults, like, I mean, you know, using simple English, but, like, just, you know, having a conversation, like, you're a person, and, wow, being a person can be really hard sometimes, so, like, let's talk about that. Like, um, and then, and I want, this is something I want to come back to later, but um, that's something that is picked on um, by these, like, recurrent, like, conspiracy theories about, like, oh, there are no kids in the show because of he was a bad guy or something and it's no. like no and i want to come back to that later about how we can't accept any like pure cultural figures and we have to like defile them somehow and it's horrible but yeah this talking to kids in really straightforward ways um there's like a really incredible clip of of him basically going before um Oh, is it the one where well, he defends Congress. public co- broadcasting yes. to the Senate? Oh my God, yeah, that is the, the best Senate, thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's talking about um, about public broadcasting about and like sort of um, just 
like uh, Nixon wanted to to cut funding, I think, for for public broadcasting, and um, he gave this this really beautiful testimony about it. Where basically he's just saying like like he, he this huge huge like unbelievable thing where he's just like. Basically, what I do is like I give an expression of care every day to each child to help them realize that they're unique. And like the whole point of the show is like you've made this day special just by being you. Um, and then he talks about this song that he sings um, about basically just about feeling like really mad and frustrated and not knowing what to do with that feeling and like having the ability to like recognize and like acknowledge your emotions and sort of control them and not let them just like drive you and i was like listening to that uh earlier today and was like this is like an incredibly a like super super important and like b an incredibly difficult thing to do like that's cbt that's what like i and like so many people i know like go to therapy to try to do and like he's trying to he's doing it with kids for decades it's unreal like, I, the whole time you've been talking about this, I've been kicking around my feet and, like, clutching my hands to my chest because this is, I think, the most important thing that Mr. Rogers brought to kids. And something that I feel like we're missing right now um, is the ability to figure out why you feel the way you feel. Mm. Like, so much, so often, like, we get into, like, like, little fights at the grocery store because we, like, had a bad morning and spilled coffee on ourselves. And we don't realize that, like, that little thing is why we're hurting, not because that person, like, ran their cart into ours or something like that. Uh, I think that the ability to kind of, like, meta-think, to think about why you think the way you do, why you are feeling certain feelings you can't name, uh, how to process those feelings, like, that is such an important skill and i i don't know anybody else who taught it better than mr rogers i love mr rogers okay i'm gonna chill now but (laughs) no but it's so true like the themes of the show are so at the same time so basic but also so complex and like really important difficult things um and uh like you know yeah recognizing and like thinking about your thinking or thinking about your feelings and then also just like just this message of like uncritical acceptance of like you are valuable like you are like like good like yes. f- for existing that is good like it's great and it's like i was thinking also like oh my god like it, it just feels like this uh, like radical acceptance kind of thing that's also a part of a lot of um those therapy models of just like accepting oh this is how things are now or like this is this is me like this is okay um it's so intense and like so oh my god and like that was a big part of the show is just him talking to the audience um but then there's other parts too right so like he'll be like oh let's go on a field trip to like a bakery or like a music store yeah. and like let's talk about that um or like Merritt, uh, <laughs> i still think about the time that mr rogers went to the crayola crayon factory oh my god oh my god because i just i have a thing i love crayons i just think they feel like really good and like i know like this is not like a corporate plug i really like crayola crayons <laughs> 
But uh, so he went there and like it, it was just such a it was like the what's that show like how it's made. It was like that except geared for children and what children care about. It yeah. was just so interesting to see these little uh, bits and pieces of uh, what is important to us like, you know, coloring, eating bread. You know, he's not going out and like telling us how the legislature works, uh, but uh, he's taking very seriously the things that are important to children. And I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's kind of like demystifying those things, too. Right. Like just being like, yeah, oh, like you like crayons and like coloring, right? Like, oh, do you want to find out like how those things are made? Like so you can just like understand the world a little better. Like, yeah, let's go do that. Cool. Awesome. Um, oh, it's so good. And then he would do like the neighborhood of make believe um, and like you go on the trolley to like visit King Friday the 13th and like, um, you know, all the puppets and stuff, which yeah. he did. Like he did all of the the puppeteering um he actually just did like like as it's just like a creative talent uh, it's unbelievable like he's composing the music he's doing the puppeteering work he's doing like so much it's yeah. really impressive yeah, like an incredible talent in a way that I don't think uh, that we think about when we think about Mr. Rogers. You know, right. we think about sweaters and like sweetness and niceness, but it's also like a lot of technical talent. I mean, he wrote like something like 36 books. Uh, he's got uh, like like 40, I think, uh, honorary doctorates. Uh, he was a, a smart and uh, focused person. Uh, and and I, I don't know that we give him enough credit for exactly how, it, you know, it, and, I, and I say this with the understanding that we don't often value emotional work and we don't often, and we think of it as this touchy-feely, like garbage or whatever. Like he was incredible at that amazing skill, but he was also incredible at like the technical skill of writing songs and writing books. And like, what a, what a renaissance man you were, Fred. <laughs> Oh yeah, and um, God, uh, he apparently like was not like because you could look at a Mister Rogers episode and be like, oh, that's the guy doing a bit like where he talks to kids and like that's his thing, but like his thing was like, no, like I don't believe in like dressing up or like being a weird clown or like doing anything like that. Like I'm going to be me and talk to kids and they can be themselves and like, um. He said that he believed that he that kids could spot a phony a mile away, which is like definitely true. Um, yeah, and so he's just going in there being himself. Also, did you know that his mother made all of his cardigans? No, yes. Like, like knit them or like? Yes, I mean, I think that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful thing to know. Right. Oh, I, this is kind of like skipping ahead, but while we're on the topic of cardigans, um, so I was in high school, I was, a, I think, a junior, either a junior or a sophomore in high school um, when Mr. Rogers died. Mm -hmm. And um, I, just by coincidence, I was going to, on a field trip to the Museum of Public Broadcasting in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so the next day. So I, when I went to the broadcast museum, I was kind of wearing, I was wearing a zipper up sweater and mm -hmm. my sneakers because I just wanted to, like, there was a little part of me I felt like that kind of died uh, and every person working in the broadcast museum was wearing a zipper up uh, sweater and, <laughs> and sneakers isn't that the cutest freaking thing you've ever heard in your life oh my god that's incredible he's, just, he's an incredible piece of I mean in Canada too but a, an intense piece of Americana and, and just like the, the the history of television I think has changed because of Mr. Rogers uh, and, and it, oh, oh, I'm biting my hands I'm so excited to talk about this <laughs> 
Ugh, yeah. I mean, and he was really enmeshed in American history as well, like in the latter half of the 20th century, because, you know, you think, I think some people maybe who don't really know much about him would be like, oh, that's really cool that he was like, you know, talking to kids like people and that he was taking them seriously. I'm like, that's really, like, really great. But like, it goes a lot deeper than that, too, Um, Mm -hmm. because... Uh, Fred Rogers was um, a pretty committed pacifist um, and also like pretty progressive in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. um, there's one of the most famous scenes, I think, from the entire run of the show is uh, when he is like he gets into the house and he's like, oh, it's so hot out today. Like, I'd really love to just like soak my feet. And um, his friend, uh, Francois comes by um who is a black man who is playing a police officer which um (laughs) i actually was reading about this and um so fred rogers goes to francois clemens and is like um oh i have this idea where like you could be a police officer and he was like um (laughs) i don't i do not want to be a police officer um like he basically said like i grew up in the ghetto i didn't have a positive opinion of police officers uh, you know, they were sticking dogs and water hoses on people. Um, and like, so he wasn't excited about this at all. And um, and basically, I, Fred was just really committed to the idea. Um, and whether or not, like, you think that, I guess that was like a good idea. Like there was, so he joins the show um, in 1968 um, in August, mm-hmm. which is four months after um, Dr. King is assassinated and um he becomes like the first african-american with a recurring role on a children's tv series and wow um, yeah it's like a really big deal for the time and so like um the the context like so the the foot bathing thing so mr rogers like gets it you know gets out this little like waiting pool and like is washing his feet in it and then his friend uh francois comes by and he's like, oh, do you want to, like, do you want to come wash your feet with me, too? And, like, not knowing that that was shot in, like, 1969, you wouldn't know, like, how kind of, like, big a deal that would have been. Oh, yeah. Because, like, this is 69, right? This is, like, in in the United States, like, really intense um, segregation uh, conflict. Especially of places where, like, there's, like, bathing or swimming involved. Because, like, the idea was that... Black Americans were seen as like being unclean, um, and I mean, I'm, we have a ton of racist assholes to this day who probably feel the same way. But it was a revolutionary uh, at the time, and like, and still is a message that we could use at this point. That like, this is a moment of bonding between um, men of different races, and like, this is normal, and this is okay, and this is a a lovely little scene, and not something scary. Um, like, how important is that in 1969? Like, incredibly important. Right. And so there is this other thing to this scene, too, um, which is that foot washing is like a part of a lot of observances of um, of Christian Holy Week, mm-hmm. um, which happens often on Maundy Thursday, um, which is the day of the Holy Week that commemorates the Last Supper. And so it comes from this account in the Gospel of John that records Jesus um, washing his disciples' feet. And um, it's, like, supposed to be this really powerful thing of, like, um, 
you know, like I'm I'm like humbling myself basically um, by by washing your feet and like you should also wash one another's feet. Um, I'm giving you this like example of, of how to act. And so like uh, the scene was recreated 25 years later. And um, Rogers is like toweling off his friend's feet. And it's like, there's no way he could have done that. Like being a, like a fairly devout Christian, like without knowing like the symbolism that that would have for people who who got that. Um, And the, at the same time though, uh, you know, he isn't perfect in this regard. Cause I don't know if you know that um, Francois Clemens was gay no, I didn't know. He was. And um, Fred Rogers actually urged him to stay in the closet um, initially. Yeah. Um, although he did later, um, he did, his views did evolve on the issue. So he did later come to accept his friend and like be proud of him. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, initially he was, he was basically like, you have to stay in the closet or you can't work on this show. Oh, um, wow. I thought you were saying he like, was like, oh, you should stay in the closet. Cause it's, it's safer. Um, but no, wow. He was well, saying I'm he glad wouldn't he... let him be on the show. And like, there's questions about like, well, did he, like, he was progressive on so many things. Like, did he just like not see the public support for it? Was he afraid of like losing a lot of his viewers? Like what? Um, and it's kind of impossible to know, I think, without actually hearing from him, which is, you know, I, you can't do now. Um, right. But it is something where he sort of like over time um, did did grow and change on that, which I think is heartening also. And huge for a white man, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's complicated. I'm getting a lot of this from actually um, there's a book that uh, – that came out like a couple of years ago. Um, it's called Peaceful Neighbor. Okay. And um, basically it just like sort of talks about Fred Rogers and, and Mr. Rogers' neighborhood as like part of this, um, you know, it situates them within like the political and social movements of the time um, and talks about how he basically sees the show as like a way of um, creating like you know if people like and he talks about this in the um the public broadcasting hearing as well like you know it's far more dramatic in ways for two men to like talk about their feelings than it is to like show um to show like gunplay or whatever right and so he's trying to create the show that sort of shows people how to deal with their their emotions and deal with um the the really real difficult problems that of like you know emotional drama in a productive way because he thinks that is something that's going to create a more peaceful world. Absolutely. He says something, there's a line in there that's something like, I want to like have, give boys an instinct to talk rather than to hit. Mm. Uh, And that is so, I mean, it's so relevant even like right now this week with like Trump pushing uh, a foreign leader uh, out of the way and like uh, that that guy uh, tackling a Guardian reporter. I mean, we in uh, in American society, I think, celebrate such aggressive, uh, toxic masculinity. And there are so many programs for kids that focus on violence because you're right, it, it's dramatic. But it's also uh, like playing to this, uh, this like just need for violence. I mean, the other show I mentioned to you that I watched as a kid was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously is delightful, but it's based on 
you know, people beating each other up um, all of the time, you know, uh, and, and Mr. Rogers uh, being there to kind of like provide a template uh, and, and uh, for a, like a productive conversation is, is intense. And it's, it's immense for little boys. Uh, I can't, uh, I mean, and maybe if I spend a little more time thinking about it, I could, but I can't really off the top of my head think of a male hero from like, you know, fiction, television, uh, that sort of thing, like Mr. Rogers, who never ever engaged in like any kind of violence, whether it's like slapsticky comedy or, or anything like that. Um, you know, kids TV is, is very much steeped in violence. We give like Nerf guns to little boys and girls. Like that's, that's what we do. Uh, and it's such garbage and it's, uh, it, it's such a beautiful thing to, to see him having tried to dismantle that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of incredible. There's a story actually from that book, um, where it seems almost like it, it shows so beautifully, like the ways that the, the things that he's trying to get kids to do, like just almost like grow past him because, um, there's an episode where he goes to SeaWorld and he's like, oh, it's so great that they take care of Shamu. And like, uh, like this is, is so lovely, isn't it? And, um, apparently, uh, a lot of kids had seen the movie Free Willy uh, around the same time and were oh, upset wow. by Mr. Rogers' unwillingness to free shampoo. <laughs> and wow. so they wrote letters. <gasps> I love it. They wrote him letters and were like, you know, like, we really care about this whale and like the whale does, like needs the freedom of the ocean. Um, and so it's like he did that in a way, like he created that. And he was like, you can express your feelings, including if you feel angry or, or disappointed. It's OK to be able to express those in ways that are like constructive or, or that are, you know, not violent. And so like the fact that they are sending him letters based on things that they've learned from it's like that's really beautiful to me. It is. I love that. Oh my gosh. And I remember like free willy being a thing. It's so funny <laughs> because like we're talking about all these like extremely poignant moments in, in uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. But like one of the most vivid memories I have of the show is the time that he encouraged the audience to try new things. And doing uh, the way that he uh, expressed that was he took a bunch of stuff out of his refrigerator and put it on the table. And he's like, well, we can make different snacks out of different things and we can try and eat something. And if it tastes good, we'll do it again. And if it doesn't, then we won't do it again. And I remember he took a piece of American cheese and wrapped it around a banana and ate it. <laughs> and he and like and he was like, oh, this is surprisingly good. And like kept like like moving on. And I was just like, Mr. Rogers, you're a monster. What are you, what are you doing here? Oh my God. But like I didn't, and my brother ended up really liking bananas and cheese for whatever reason. I don't know. But the the point of this story is that like, you know, even in like the smallest tiny way of like, you know, let's try new snacks, guys. Let's let's try it out. Let's like, do some different stuff. Uh, and and then there's the hugeness of let's look at this whale and how majestic it is. Like he really kind of like ran the entire gamut of uh, of, of different, um, I think, just useful pieces of information for kids. I think that it was it was a really diverse show as far as his uh, hot content. Yeah, man, cheese though, uh, guys. Man, oh geez, no, that's a lot. Um, I do want to get back to something that we we talked about earlier, but um, so I feel like in the 90s and early 2000s and even now to some extent there was this like compulsive need to like degrade and like 
ruin any kind of like chaste or like pure appearing cultural figure. Um, and this came up when way back in the show when I talked about Bob Ross as well mm-hmm. as, you know, kind of a man who is similarly very gentle and quiet um, and how we can't seem to accept, like we want to either invent some kind of dark backstory. Like, so um, for Fred Rogers, a really common recurring story is that he was a sniper um, in the military or he was like a Navy SEAL or something. Um, Or even worse that he was like um, a child abuser. And like, that's why there are no kids in the studio, but like, that's obviously absurd. Um, But like, you know, and with Bob Ross too, and with, with Fred Rogers, like there's all these parodies and like, Oh, there's like the picture of him appearing to like give his audience the finger or like whatever, like, and it's like, why can't we, why can't we have that? Like, why do we seem so almost uncomfortable with that? You know, I I think about this sometimes uh, just because I think that it is not just a like comic need to, you know, put a nasty coating on something that, that that's really actually sweet and, and, and nice. I think it's also a uh, instinct to keep ourselves safe. Uh, because so many times um, in our lives, I think we are hurt by things that are close to us and seem safe. Uh, you know, our families can hurt us. People get abused. Um, teachers, uh, they, there are some, some teachers who prey upon their kids. The Catholic Church in its, in its holiness, you know, like that's supposed to be the most sacred person in your life is your priest and like and there was like many scandals so I, I don't think it's necessarily just uh that we do it like because you know for fun or anything like that which is not necessarily what I think you're implying but I think it's it's really a this is a learned response mm. to a world that is unsafe uh, in general uh and and that really sucks and I'm generally like an optimist uh but he defies realism with how kind he is and how pure-hearted <laughs> the show was, uh, and I and I completely understand like the crazy rumors because that would only make sense to somebody who was living in the '90s and experienced the 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 gigantic pedophilia scandal in the in the Catholic Church, which I believe really broke around that time too. Uh, it it makes sense to me, and it's sad because of its accuracy. Yeah, no, that is that's very true. Um, yeah, I think, um, you're right. It is often like a protective thing of not wanting to, uh, be burned again, maybe. Right. In the, the, do you, <laughs> I don't know if you're keeping up with like, um, clown Twitter these days. Um, but, uh, <laughs> since the, the uh, remake of it is coming out, um, like clowns are all up in arms, like, oh, we've been reaching like this new golden age of clowning when people aren't terrified of us anymore, guys. Like, why did you have to do this movie? You know? And, uh, and like everybody's, uh, in the, like the clown industry, which I did not know was still a thing. <laughs> uh, they're like boycotting the movie and talking about the movie and, and all this stuff. And, and I think a lot about the fear of clowns and the reason why clowns are scary is because they are supposed to be innocent. They are supposed to be childlike and fun and, 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 and all these things. And so in the reveal that a clown has like scary teeth or something like that, that that's rooted in the fact that we're supposed to feel safe around them. And I feel like this is the strangest thing I've ever said, but I feel like the whole scary clown 
Uh, phobia is really similar to the sniper Mr. Rogers uh, rumors in that like it, it just the scariest thing in the world is when something that's supposed to be safe hurts you. Ah, oh, man, I just made myself sad. Sorry, Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he the point is, though, he he wasn't that like he exactly he have that um he was a complicated person and i think he was a, a person like anyone else and i think the stuff with with clemens um really attests to that that you know that there's a lot going on there and he isn't just sort of this pure figure but he also is striving to do good and right and in you know most of the time succeeding and like creating really powerful like beautiful uh, helpful things um and just like i don't know i really like defy anyone to watch that um the public broadcasting um senate clip without just like having tears well up in your eyes because this is a man who like genuinely really cared about children and is like sort of devoting his life to them which is really beautiful yeah i uh i i love the knowledge that he was training to be a pastor. Um, I actually didn't know that. Uh, I, I don't know why. I feel like I'd learned that a long time ago. Maybe forgot it. Um, because I feel like having a life in public broadcasting and really dedicating your entire life to uh, something that is accessible by the poor is a very purely... Uh, it very purely speaks to the like the teachings of Jesus, uh, and and I think that that is so 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 good because I mean so much of the New Testament is is uh, dedicated to uh, helping and, and caring for the poor, um, so that to me just makes so much sense that like that would be his life's purpose. Uh, it's it, it, save for being a pastor, um, that absolutely makes sense and is, is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, good old Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe that's a good place to wrap things up. Oh, are we done? I think we might be done unless there's anything else that you want to mention. Oh, I mean, oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I could talk for days. I'm having a delightful time with you, by the way. Thank you again for having me on. You're super um, welcome. I'm glad we could get you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I wanted to talk a little bit more about poverty before we we wrapped Please. up, just because. Uh, so it, it's I was never like I was never poor. I was I was like you know lower middle class um, growing up, um, but I remember the day that my mom had enough money to give ten bucks to PBS. Uh, I, and I'll never forget it. Uh, I think I was like maybe seven years old or something like that, and they were having like a telethon, and I was in the other room, and I very clearly remember my mom just pouring her heart out. Uh, she, she called up on the telethon to like, you know, pledge her 10 bucks. And uh, she was talking to the, to the receptionist saying, you don't know what you've done for my children. Uh, like Sesame Street, Reading Rainbow, Mr. Rogers, all of these things are such, uh, it, it, she said something like, it, it's not just education, it's an understanding of what it means to be alive. And I thought, and that has always stuck with me because uh, nowadays, like a lot of really good children's programming is on, it's behind walls. It's on Netflix, mm -hmm. it's on HBO. Uh, and not everybody can, can get that. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of good kids programming on PBS um, now, but you know, I don't, I don't watch it. I'm an adult man. I'm an adult now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, it, it just hurts me so much when public broadcasting is always on the chopping block when, we, when we're talking about budgets and we're talking about these things. Uh, 
access for poor children to learn and have a good life uh, and to have um, even just like one option, whereas like their rich counterparts have like nine. Uh, I, I, it hurts me that we, we want to take that away. Like that's always like, it seems so superfluous. Um, but honestly, it's not. I mean, when we're talking about gutting preschools <laughs> and we're talking about like the removal of the public option for preschools and we're talking about cutting funding to PBS at the same time, it is just absolutely the most depressing thing in the world to me because it's like who's going to be reaching these kids now uh, for free? It's going to be, you know, shitty racist YouTubers. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of depressing for me. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, that uh, if you uh, are listening to this and you have the means, um, support your local public broadcasting center because, man, like they do a lot of good and uh, f uh, form the foundation for a lot of brains. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. I'm sorry. I just kind of was like, let me let me barf about my childhood no, real quick. No, no, it's great. That's so great. <laughs> but like, this is a really a really a topic really dear to my heart, and uh, and I am again just delighted to be talking to you about this. And, and yeah, if you want to wrap up the show, oh please do. It's your show to do what you want with. <laughs> well, um, I think that might be a good place to to end. Um, but I will say that as of this recording, I believe a lot of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is being streamed on Twitch. Oh, right, right, um, right. I totally forgot about that. So people should <laughs> should check that out. There's tons of clips available on YouTube um, and elsewhere. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen the show before, I would say, you know, it's worth it's worth watching or, you know, or watch the, the Senate hearing um, or something. Just hear him talk because it's really amazing. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell people about your podcast and where they can find you online? Oh, yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Um, so uh, I have a podcast called Friendshipping. It's at friendshippingpodcast.com. Uh, and it's uh, we take questions from the Internet about friendship. Uh, and we just uh, decided to make this podcast because uh, we don't feel like adults value uh, their uh, chosen support, their friends, as much as they should. Um, so go ahead and listen. You can follow at Do Friendship. Great. Um, and uh, you are on Twitter. As oh, well. right. I guess I could plug myself too. <laughs> yeah, please, please. <laughs> uh, you could follow me at Trin and Tonic, um, and it's really just—it's my emotions hole. It's where I just kind of like <laughs> go in and and post my feelings on the internet. So I mean, like, tread carefully. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much. Um, this was a ton of fun. And uh, I'm really glad that we got to talk uh, Fred Rogers. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Same Z's. Thanks again. Yeah. Well, um, have a good night. And uh, yeah. I will talk to you later. For sure. Well, bye, kiddos. Is it getting Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad Feelings is a part of Stay Me, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show please consider becoming a patron of Say Me at dadfeelings.com slash support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album Foiled Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuis for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at dadfeelings and at staymeanco. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.